During this season of Easter, when so many adults have made the choice to join the church and so many young people are being confirmed and welcomed as full members as well, it should be very apparent that Jesus can change hearts. For those of us who have been in the church for a long time, we might also need a little help in changing our hearts. We might need to be inspired to be less complacent and more involved, putting our faith into action and making sure being Christian is something much more than words. Because we are also called to stay actively connected to the vine, to Christ and his church, so we can grow and live truly fruitful lives. Welcome to the Real Word Podcast for the fifth Sunday of Easter, cycle B of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. I'm Brandon Jubar, and I'll be your guide as we walk through the readings for this week. It's an important process because we believe the scriptures are the inspired word of God. But to really be nourished by the word, we need to break it open and look a little deeper. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, the messages I get from these scriptures might feel right to you, but you also might find that the Holy Spirit tells you something else, and that is absolutely all right. So if you're ready, let's dive in. As I said, we'll be looking at the readings from the fifth Sunday of Easter, cycle B. Our first reading is from the Acts of the Apostles. It's chapter 9, verses 26 through 31. Our second reading is from a letter written by the same community believed to have written the Gospel of John, and that's uh, 1 John chapter 3, verses 18 through 24. And of course, our Gospel reading is also from John. It's it's from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Uh, Just a couple things to note. First, we do only have readings, again, from the New Testament, also known as the Christian Scripture. The reason we do this is pretty logical. Uh, During the rest of the year, we're looking to the resurrection. Even during Advent, we're anticipating the coming of the Messiah, which then leads to the resurrection. However, during the Easter season, we're trying to look forward. We're looking from the event of the resurrection and then trying to see how it continues even today. So tonight, we'll see that Saul runs for his life. John says to walk the walk, and Jesus talks about gardening. Okay, let's start by going through the readings, and then we can talk about the messages we find. So I said our first reading is from Acts, chapter 9, verse 26 through 31. When Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. When the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. And our second reading is from the first letter of John. Dear children, 
let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask, because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. And finally, our gospel reading is from John. Jesus said to his, Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. All right, so let's take a first glance at these readings and ask ourselves, what does it mean? What messages and meanings can we find if we dig around just a little bit? So from our first reading from Acts of the Apostles, so in, in case you didn't catch it, Saul was a known persecutor of these new followers of the now dead Jesus of Nazareth. So when he shows up and says, hey, remember me? I'm, I'm one of you now. It's not surprising that the apostles didn't buy it. Uh, but Barnabas steps in and, I guess, vouches for him. So Saul actually gets baptized eventually, and he becomes Paul, whom we all know very well. Because, what, 14 of the 27 books in the New Testament, the Christian scriptures, are generally attributed to him, to St. Paul. Anyway, it's, it's interesting to read about um, his conversion and how passionate he is afterwards. Uh, in fact, he seems to be more passionate than some of those who had been with Jesus from the beginning, and some of the apostles. Now, that might seem odd at first, but I think it's a great lesson, especially for this time of year, shortly after so many new members were welcomed into the church at the Easter Vigil. See, for... Those of us who were born and raised Catholic, um, it was generally just what we did. As we grew up, we were expected to learn a bit more about the faith, receive the sacraments, and just simply continue our lives as devout Catholics. And even though young people are told that you know, 
confirmation must be their choice. Eh, is it really? <laughs> in all my years in youth ministry, I have known plenty of teens who were completely disinterested in being confirmed, but only a couple times did any of them say, I'm not ready to make this decision. On the other hand, if you weren't born and raised Catholic, then the situation I think is a lot different. It really is a choice and um, an active choice that requires work and commitment, not just going through the motions and doing what you're told and expected to do. Well, because of that difference, a lot of the newly confirmed adults after the Easter vigil, a lot of them are really fired up. And just like Saul, they're much more likely to be out preaching the gospel and sharing the good news than those of us maybe who've been around since we were born, us cradle Catholics. I also found it interesting that not only did the people he used to he used to persecute, not only did they accept him, but those he used to encourage that persecution tried to kill him. So at the end of the reading, after Peter is um or uh, Paul is taken away, Saul, I guess at the time, is taken away for his own protection. We read that uh, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Now, at first, it seemed to imply that everything was peaceful because Saul had gone away. So I, I had to do a little digging. Um, apparently, biblical scholars believe that this time of peace didn't come about because Saul was no longer preaching and debating but because he was no longer persecuting followers of Jesus. So, so it, was, it was peaceful because of the absence of Saul, um, but the absence of Saul the persecutor, not the absence of Saul the convert, who would eventually become, as I said, St. Paul. So the main message, though, that I got from this reading from Acts is that Jesus can change hearts. It's one thing to grow up in the church, to be raised as a Catholic from the time you were an infant, but it's something else to be converted as an adult, to, to make the choice and do the work. And I really believe the reason so many adult converts to Catholicism are fired up is because Jesus can change hearts. Our second reading was from the first letter of St. John, and right from the beginning of this passage, I was struck by the use of the plural pronouns, we, us, and our. And he uses them throughout. And it's really nice to see the evangelist including himself in what he's saying instead of simply you know, preaching at the people as if he's pointing the finger at them. It's definitely appropriate in this reading because it's a critical example that supports one of the two key ideas that I think are expressed here. And the first of those key ideas is that our words have to match our actions. So it's not it's not enough to just profess the gospel message to to talk the talk. You have to live the gospel message through the actions you take every day. You have to walk the walk. And by including himself in what we need to do, John is acknowledging that he's not above it all. He's acknowledging that the advice he's giving is something he needs to follow too. The, the second key idea, I said there were two, the second key idea expressed here is sort of the dual commandment to believe and love. Now, if you recall, Jesus told us, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
We hear the same idea here in this passage, except John says that God is commanding us to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. So there's a pretty consistent message throughout about loving God and Jesus, but also loving one another. And then also the idea that keeping these commands demonstrates our love for God. Or as John puts it, the one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And we know that by the Spirit God, we, you know, because of the Spirit God gave us, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit remains active in the church and in our lives. Active, not passive, not, not hanging out quietly in the background, but actively participating in the ongoing mission of Christ on earth. So the main message I got from this second reading is that we're called to put our faith into action. It's not enough to go to Mass on Sunday, say a blessing before dinner, and pray a rosary once or twice during Lent. If we keep God's commands, then we live in the Spirit, and the Spirit is in us. That's not just some internal warm and fuzzy. It's the strength to go out and make a difference in the world, because we, we're called to put our faith into action. And finally, our gospel reading is from John, and this is another very familiar one to most Catholics, the image of Jesus as the vine and us as the branches. And one thing we don't focus on, but that was probably fairly significant at the time, is that the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, already used the image, imagery of the vine and the branches, only it was God, Yahweh, who was the vine and the Israelites were the branches. So this is where Jesus takes this old imagery and makes it truly Christian. Now, of course, Jesus is the vine, and God the Father becomes the gardener. For his followers at the time, I'm, I'm guessing it was an inspiring, but probably a challenging statement as well. And that's uh, another thing you may have noticed from John's Gospel, or, <clears throat> or at least you might realize it when I point it out to you. Um, it's very focused on who Jesus is. There are a number of very significant I am statements. Um, I'm sure you'll recognize, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we hear those throughout John's gospel. And in this reading today, we actually hear an I am statement a couple different ways. So Jesus starts by saying at the very beginning, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. And then about halfway through, he repeats it. I am the vine, you are the branches. So as I said, it, it was important imagery for the Jewish people, but I think it's also important for us today. And the point, of course, is that the vines uh, can't, or the branches can't live apart from the vine. We can't live and grow apart from Christ. We need to stay connected to Christ. It's absolutely critical if we want to bear fruit, if we want to live our most healthy, fruitful lives, we need to stay connected to the vine. And most Catholics I know don't have a problem with that challenge. They understand it and they believe it's worth the effort. 
they truly believe it's important to stay connected to the vine, to Christ. But I think there's actually something they're, they're missing, something that will make the challenge a bit more difficult for a lot of them. Because <clears throat> you see, one critical way that Christ remains active in the world is through his church. The Catholic Church, all of us Catholics around the world, make up the body of Christ on earth. But what that means is if Christ is the vine, then the Catholic Church is the vine. To truly stay connected to the vine, we need to be connected to the church. We need to be active in the everyday life of the church, of our parish communities. We, we can't walk away and we can't just ignore the parts we don't like. We have to stay actively connected. So that also means we're challenged to stay connected to the vine, right, to Christ and his church, and be fruitful. And I'm going to guess that being fruitful can mean lots of different things. So part of the challenge is to actually figure out what that means, what that means for us, what we're called to do, and what, what kind of fruit we're called to bear. I don't think it means being a passive, going-through-the-motions Catholic. But I also don't think it means being a back-pew pundit who points out everything they dislike, but never really steps up, up to do the hard work needed to drive positive change. So there were a few interesting things, but I think the main message I got from our gospel reading is that we are called to stay actively connected. We aren't called to a passive faith. We're called to grow and be fruitful. And the best way to do that is to get involved with Christ and his church. Jesus said, remain in me as I also remain in you. So we will be nourished as long as we remember that we are called to stay actively connected. All right, <clears throat> so let's sum it up, what we've talked about so far in our first reading from Acts. The main message I came away with was Jesus can change hearts. And in our second reading from the first letter of St. John, the main message I got was we're called to put our faith into action. And the main message I got from the gospel was we are called to stay actively connected. So during this season of Easter, when so many adults have made the choice to join the church and so many young people are being confirmed and welcomed as full members as well, it should be very apparent that Jesus can change hearts. For those of us who have been in the church for a long time, we might also need a little help in changing our hearts. We might need to be inspired to be less complacent and more involved, putting our faith into action and making sure that being Christian is something much more than words, because we are also called to stay actively connected to the vine, to Christ and his church, so we can grow and live truly fruitful lives. So let's step back, take a second glance at these readings, and ask ourselves if our path has become any clearer. To do this, I like to ask two questions. So what? And now what? All right. So what? <clears throat> Why should we care about any of this? Well, we should care because far too many people are being driven from the church. It's, it's as if the most conservative, judgmental members have decided that, oh, God's not the gardener, we're the gardeners. And they've started pruning branches that they don't like. 
Now, I'm finding that too many Catholics fall into one of three groups. The first wants no changes and attacks anything they view as threatening the status quo. The second wants changes to what they view as truly misguided rules and teachings, but they give up in frustration and leave the church, separating themselves from the vine. And then the third group is sort of apathetic and doesn't understand what all the fuss is about. There's another, smaller group that sees the need for change and continues to make the case and fight for what's right. Unfortunately, that seems to be the smallest group. And we need to help it grow because I think those branches, those branches are the ones that will end up bearing the most fruit. And the last question I try to answer is now what? What are we supposed to do? Well, it's important for us to stay actively connected to the vine. So we need to step up in our faith communities. We need to volunteer, walk the walk, and find ways to push for positive change from the inside. You know, about 30 years ago, I remember I was talking to an old Jesuit priest about the fact that I was considering leaving the church because it was so archaic in its beliefs and out of touch with reality. He laughed and said, I have faith that the church will get there. It might be a couple hundred years late and out of breath, but it'll get there. When I said I didn't think I had a couple hundred years worth of patience, he threw a different analogy at me. He said, you'll have no chance of steering the ship if you've jumped overboard. So with that in mind, here's your real challenge for the week. Encourage people to stay in the church. As I said last week, there are examples all around us of the church marginalizing people, and and that's not what Christ is calling us to do. But speaking truth to power isn't easy, and it's generally ignored by those people in power unless it's a deafening chorus of voices who are speaking that truth. When people have legitimate grievances with the church, listen to them. And if you agree with them, then join your voice with theirs and encourage them to stay in the church. Because as that old Jesuit priest told me, you'll have no chance of steering the ship if you've jumped overboard. Well, before I wrap things up, as usual, I'd like to leave you with one more quote from Scripture. As we face what often seems to be insurmountable resistance, let's remember what St. Paul wrote to the Galatians. Let us not grow weary of doing good, For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. If Christ and his church are the vine, then we need to stay actively connected, hang tight, and we will definitely, definitely reap the fruits of our efforts if we refuse to give up. All right, we have come to the end of our time here together. Thanks again for joining me this evening. I'll be back again next week. But in the meantime, I encourage you to use this as a starting point. Spend some time with the Bible on your own. Read this or something different. Think about it. Pray about it. And try to not only open up your mind, but also your heart. Break open the Word and listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. The Real Word Podcast is brought to you by The Real Values Project, Real Youth Ministry, and the Real Values Framework. Real stands for respect, engage, accept, and lead. For more information on the Real Values, please visit keepingitreal.club.
And finally, the Bible readings used for this podcast are from the Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 1973, 1978, 1984, and 2011, by Biblica Inc., used by permission, all rights reserved worldwide.